Hello, everyone, and welcome to Wedding Videography for Beginners. I am your host, Phil Beabout, and with me, as always, is my lovely wife, Brittany. And today, we want to talk about coaching for success and leading effective teams. So let's get after it. I'm going to be honest with you, I feel like shit right now for some reason. I have a pounding headache, and it feels like my sinuses are losing their mind. So I am grumpy. It's grumpy Phil today. You get, you get stuck with grumpy Phil. Yay. Grumpy Phil is not fun. <laughs> I'm a miserable, sick person. Um, so let's talk about the direction of the show. I do. I want to kind of chat about this. It's something that me and Brittany have been talking about a little bit. And we want to, we've been thinking about changing things up a little and making this more about wedding business in general compared to just focusing on wedding videography. That doesn't mean that we wouldn't still talk about wedding videography and that we wouldn't have wedding videographers on. Um, but I think that there are a lot of things that we talk about that would be really beneficial to everyone in general. Like today's episode is a really good example, which we'll get to here in a second. But today's episode is a good example of like photographers, planners, like anybody can listen to this and get get a lot of good information out of this. So we might change the name. We wouldn't change a Facebook group. That would still be Wedding Videography for Beginners. And that would still be us chatting with everybody about wedding videography and that kind of stuff. But uh, I think that, you know, we've been talking about it. We'll see. We might not do anything. We we might. I, yeah, well, we're just kind of throwing the ideas around and seeing where it might lead or what additional ideas we get about things and episodes and whatnot. It's been kind of a struggle lately to just kind of come up with fresh ideas. Yeah, I mean, we're this is episode 70 and we... Like I can only talk about where to put the lights for a toast so much. Yep. And I think it might be better for everybody and more beneficial for everybody if we kind of broadened, broadened our horizons. Cause you know, like, like I've said before, my background is not in the arts whatsoever. It's in business. And I think that's really where our strong suit comes in Yeah, is the business piece of it. So we'll, we'll see what's going on. Um, in today's episode, I want to chat about coaching. And why do I want to talk about coaching? It's because back in my nuclear days, we had an expression that you coach for performance. Okay. A lot of people hear the word coaching and they kind of dread it. They're like, oh my God, he's saying coaching. That means that I'm somebody <laughs> is getting disciplined. And I just want to make this abundantly clear that coaching is not discipline whatsoever. Discipline is discipline. And I can do an entirely different episode talking about PIPs, T-PIPs, how to put people on targeted performance improvement plans, what performance improvement plans look like, how to sit down and map out metrics and that kind of stuff. And we can do, that's a whole different conversation, but that is not coaching. Coaching is a very informal thing that's really just you chat about it for a minute if you were in like a purely corporate world you would follow the coaching up with a like an email just documenting it but uh, it is not discipline so no one wants to do no one wants to coach other people it is a very weird 
thing to try to reconcile and then get over. However, feedback is a gift. So that, that, that was a big expression to us. Feedback is a gift. And I'll give you a very ironic example. I reached out to Adam Grumbo yesterday to ask him if we could do a mentoring session on <clears throat> we need to improve the way that we light the reception, the toasts, the dances. Like we, we need to do a better job at that. And I think a, the first step is recognizing that you have a Delta and B, the next step is trying to find somebody who can help you with it. So I reached out to Adam. For us, Layman Phil, what is a Delta? Well, you don't say negative. Okay. It's just the word when you're talking about like you. An area of improvement. Yeah. So you, you say pluses and deltas. So a plus would be something that you're doing well. And a delta is something that you're not. You wouldn't say pluses and negatives. It's just a weird, that's not the way the terminology works. And plus, when you are writing these things out, you use a plus sign next to the line when you're starting to write something that's favorable. And then you write a triangle, which is the delta. Okay. Delta epsilon. That makes more sense now. And you write the triangle, which is the delta that goes behind it. Um, Yeah. Good luck learning that in film school. Ooh, burn. No. Yeah, no. So I got a hold of Adam yesterday and ironically enough, Adam was free last night. So it's just like the stars aligned and he was like, I actually have time tonight to to do a call. Um, And I'll be the first one to admit he popped open one of our films and then subsequently just ripped the shit out of it right in front of me. He straight told me that I make people look like cardboard. (laughs) And did I get hurt? Yeah, my pride stung a little bit. However... I don't want our couples to look like cardboard. Mm-hmm. So feedback is a gift and having him sit there and be brutally honest frame by frame through a few of our films was very beneficial to us. Yeah. And I, I didn't get defensive. I wasn't like, man, you know, how fucking dare you talk <laughs> to me like that? I not even remotely close. I was like a sponge because that's, that's the mentality that you need to have when somebody is giving you criticism because his criticism, he's right. Like there is no denying what he was talking about. Like once he started breaking down everything, it all made sense what he was talking about. So, you know, I know that we offer mentoring, but I still look to others to be the mentoree. Like it's very important that I practice what I preach. And, you know, we were supposed to go for 90 minutes and we went for hours. I think that's one reason why I feel as bad as I do is we, we went, it was well after midnight by the time we got off that call. Yeah. I went to bed long before. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no. So we, um, but I learned a lot, like a lot sitting there watching, like listening to, you know, somebody who's been doing this for a lot longer than I have. No, but I think it's also always important to know that there's always room for improvement. And we had been talking about not being super sure about how our lighting was going and sometimes like, I don't know, maybe messing things up, but also not having a film background 
we weren't a hundred percent sure about the mechanics of certain things. So yeah, he broke out some serious, like technical, like filmology stuff about why depth is important. Not just, yeah. Oh, we need depth. No, he asked, he straight asked me, he was like, tell me why you think depth is important. It's one of those things where I was like, Oh, fucking no. <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, no. So it was, it was 100% beneficial. And I, like I said, I highly recommend that you, you are reaching out to people and that you understand that, uh, any criticism is good. So you need to kind of shift your mentality. You know, you got to understand that it's going to help you improve and it's also going to help the people that are working for you also improve. So whether that's a second shooter or whether that's an assistant planner or like that, it's going to coaching people for performance is going to help your business grow. It's going to help you be more effective. So why this topic then? I know there was a reason why you decided that this was important. Oh, I troll Facebook groups. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can lie. And I seen a, there was, there's been over the last couple of weeks, there's been a lot of people talking about like, I have a second shooter who, you know, is doing X, Y, and Z. How do I tell them that they're doing that? And, you know, this isn't the military. Like I can't look at Brittany and be like, look, I think you're a fucking soup sandwich and you better, <laughs> you better straighten your shit out real quick. Like you can't, you can't do that in the real world. Um, because that does create conflict and that is the exact opposite of what you are trying to do. So like I said, you want to create this culture of coaching and I just want to reiterate that coaching isn't discipline. So please do not think that you are disciplining someone when you are coaching them. They are two distinctly different things. Coaching is really meant to address a performance deficiency, like immediately right on the spot and then correct that behavior. Um, which that's the term that we use for it. It's, it's called correcting behaviors. Like you want to use coaching to correct behaviors. The issue is when you like, say you've coached someone like five times on something and they're still not doing it. That's when you go into what's called the progressive discipline process because the coaching is not correcting the behavior. So you need to step it up with other things. And that, like I said, that's a topic for something else, but the, um, I want to go into how you actually coach someone because there is a method. It's not as simple as saying, Hey, I think you suck and you need to fix this. There's, there's an actual dichotomy to it. And we use the acronym S B I situation, behavior, and impact. So it is a situation, behavior, and impact model. And that's how you will communicate all of your coaching to whoever you are coaching. So let's say that you are, you have a second shooter for video and they are taking one second long clips, or they're also doing five minute long clips. Been there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, this, this actually isn't, this doesn't have anything to do with Brittany. It's just what I wrote out. <laughs> So you have somebody on both extremes. You have somebody that's that's either doing one or doing five minute long clips. So the way that you would address the situation is something like, hey, you know, can we just discuss real quick some deltas that I've noticed with your footage? Your clips are either about a second long or they're around five minutes long. And these are definitely on the short and the long ends of the spectrum. So there's your situation. So nothing in there is accusatory. 
nothing in there is saying like, Hey, I think you're horrible. It's just literally the facts of the situation. Here is what you are doing now for the behavior. You know, what we would like to see are clips that are around three to five seconds long. And then we keep those longer clips for the more important moments that need to be filmed in their entirety, stuff like the ceremony, the speeches, et cetera. But for the normal, you know, bride prep, groom prep, portrait session, like you would just want to keep those clips at three to five seconds. So that's the right behavior. That's the behavior that you are looking for. So you've addressed the situation, what they are doing. You've now explained to them what the correct behavior looks like. And this is the key one is the impact. The impact is the most important piece of this puzzle. So for this one, impact would be something like, uh, you know, having clips too short or too long really impacts the team through editing. It is very difficult to use clips that are super short or really long. Uh, it takes them an unbelievably long time to sort through them and cull them. And this places a really heavy burden on the editing team. Do you have any questions or anything I can do to help you with creating clips that are around three to five seconds? And then just get quiet. So this goes back to episode 63 when I was talking about conflict jujitsu and conflict resolution. This is that time where you listen to understand. And you listen to what they respond with when you say, can I help you with creating clips around three to five seconds? And the reason why this is so effective is when you say like, Hey, I think that you screwed up X. A lot of people will get really, really defensive over that. They will become introverted. You know what I mean? Like they, they won't really want to interact and that kind of stuff. When you talk about what they are doing that is impacting the team that they are on, that shifts their mindset because they don't want to be that burden. They don't want to be the person that's adversely affecting the team. And they become way more receptive to that coaching. And we will be right back. Are you tired of aimlessly flipping through mediocre at best music for hours? Do you find yourself wasting valuable time on projects just trying to find that perfect song? Bring in Musicbed. The first time Britt and I looked at their library, I remember saying, we could use any of these. Musicbed has a massive library of elite musicians used by brands like Nike, Samsung, Apple, and ESPN. Having a hard time finding that perfect song? Reach out to a specialist who can help do the searching for you and create a list of songs specifically for your project. Imagine the amount of stress reduction you would have with music selection being a breeze. Imagine how much time you can save during an edit by having a massive library of meticulously selected songs. What would that do for your productivity or quality of life? Musicbed is your solution. Click on our link below to see our hand-selected playlist. Use code WVFB at checkout and get your first month free when you sign up. Musicbed was simply a lifesaver for us. Tired of paying an enormous price for your website? Are you paying more than 12 or 13 bucks a month for multiple websites? Because we're not. We use Cloudways. You can pick your own server, pay as you go, no lock-ins, and get a free SSL certificate. Cloudways uses WordPress applications, which are included in the price. Did I mention that they will migrate your website over for you for free? Plans start as low as 11 bucks a month. We run all three of our websites off of a Vulture server through Cloudways, all for half of what the leading website host costs per year for one. 
Save yourself time and money with Cloudways. Click on our affiliate link below to start your free trial. You'll never look back. We didn't. So, if I may. Please, I need to drink some tea. <laughs> there, um, I also, just in my picking up on this, is a time and a place. Obviously, if you're noticing that your clips are too long or too short, you've noticed this from prior work. So, my suggestion would never be to do this the day of the wedding. Like this is something, obviously you wouldn't notice someone's, unless you're watching their record finger. All Not day. press record. <laughs> yeah. Um, that you would notice this after a job, after a wedding. <clears throat> I wouldn't go coaching the day of the wedding when this is purportedly happening, right? Like this is something you would need to address before no. the next job. No, it's, it, it's, it's all situationally dependent. Yeah. Like if I was standing there and watch somebody taking single frame shots, I would immediately try to correct that behavior. Well, it's, I mean, yes, because it's the day of, but all yeah, I'm saying you, you is can't, like, can't let them go the rest of the day. You're That's not like, going to notice that necessarily. No, but if you, if you do notice something, like, I think it's important that you, you correct it. And mind you, again, going back to that, to episode 63, go to the balcony, ask yourself, is this the right time and place? Like, is there a way that I can do this without embarrassing them or creating conflict? Yeah. And if you have a minute and you can pull them off to the side and be like, Hey, you know, I noticed you doing X, Y, and Z. This is the right way that you should be doing it. And, you know, talk about the impact. It might just be to you. It might, the impact might only be like, if you're the one editing, you know, if you're the, uh, the photographer, or if you're a planner and somebody is doing things wildly outside of the timetable, like there's, you know, you need to, it's okay to pull them off to the side and correct those behaviors. And that's, that's where those crucial conversations come from. Like that's that, it's that mindset that you need to have. Like there are plenty of things that you could wait and do later. And there are probably a lot of things that you won't see until later. Yeah. But if you're seeing a Delta in real time and you're doing a live event, like you can't live in that space. You gotta, uh, I get it. But at the same time, I'm thinking about the kind of like irrational, um, super, I don't want to say emotional, but people that will like take criticism the wrong way. That, on everything spot. that that's not criticism. Though. No, I know, but it's, so I get what you're saying and it's not, and I guess it's all in your approach and everything like that. But I'm just thinking of a specific time when you were a lead shooter for a contracted gig and you had no idea who the second shooter was. You had never worked with them before. It was a hot mess. And you had asked, hey, can you move a tripod or whatever? And said person literally said verbatim. I'm here to be a second shooter. I'm not here to help you set up equipment. Yeah. And I know that you had to mentally. If um, blood could have came out of my <laughs> eyeballs at that point, they would have. Um, <clears throat> you had to just, okay, fuck you. I'm going to do me. You do you. Because obviously you were working to get paid from somebody else. They were working to get paid from the same person, but you guys, your job was not linked 
necessarily. I mean, it was. I it was, was but he was a second shooter. Yeah, it, it wasn't. Um, and just so everybody understands, what I had asked that person to do was, um, we were in cocktail hour, and he had gotten probably twenty minutes worth of cocktail hour footage. And then I ran over and asked him because I had, I just got done doing probably portrait session. No, I think it was decor. Okay. I think it was uh, reception decor. And I ran over and asked him because it was raining. That was the other thing. It was pouring rain. And I was like, hey, can you help me get these two lights up real quick uh, so that we're, we're ready for the dances and the toasts? And that's when he proceeded to tell me that he was a second shooter. He's not there to be an assistant. He's there to shoot. And my first reaction was to see how hard I could hit him with a light stand. Uh, However, I went to the balcony and I got my shit together real quick. And then I think I blurted out like you do you boo. And then just, that was it. Like I did not have time for that because that was not the time or the place. Right. And then after the event, I got a hold of the, um, the people that contracted us and explained to them what was going on and, I actually stopped working for him at that point. Like yeah. That was kind of the final straw for me. Yeah. But yeah. that was kind of a situation where, I mean, I know that even coaching for some people will seem like criticism and they will take it personal and they will shut down. They will, I don't know, go off to a corner. Like we saw it literally at one of the last weddings we did where the day of coordinator lost her shit and she was crying literally every, every minute she could get herself away from the event. And there wasn't, so from my perspective and mind you, I'm filming it. Yes. I didn't notice anything. No. Wild. Like there wasn't anything like we weren't like behind schedule. Granted, we don't know what goes on behind the scenes from a day of coordinator. She was dealing with the bartender and there was an issue there that she snapped and she carried that with her for the rest of the evening. And, you know, maybe she didn't handle it appropriately. And that was where she was having these feelings of guilt and sadness. But I'm just saying that from not everybody is susceptible to coaching and they will take it as criticism. And I would highly encourage that if you have team members like that, that you should find different team members. Okay. that. Cause that's, this is going to be the crux of like somebody's business, either being successful or not successful. Yeah. And if you want to hang your hat on like, Oh, so-and-so is, is going to get upset. They're, they're just, they're super mad at me because I asked them to do something because it's, it's doing something adverse to the rest of us. Then they shouldn't be on the team. Yeah. And that's really where I came in at the nuclear power plant because we, you know, we didn't have a, they brought me in from the West coast to fix what was going on there. Yeah. And that resulted in probably 40%. I think it was hovering around 40% of the entire, entire staff had been terminated after about six months of me being there. So it's also important to note that, uh, you know, sometimes with coaching and discipline, it doesn't work. And the only, the only thing that is going to work is removing them from the equation. Yeah. And And I think that's very important though, to, 
I always made it a point to where I always gave the people that were underneath me the training and the tools necessary to be successful. If somebody said like, oh, this procedure was broken or I had no training in how to do X, well, that's my fault. That's not their fault. That's my fault because I did not provide them with the level of training that they needed to be successful. Yeah. Once I have given them that level of training and I have provided them the tools and the resources to be successful, if they continue to not do it, that is no longer on you. Yeah. And cold blooded right there. Well, in this situation, that that is the au pair's phone vibrating so upstairs. hard. We can hear it through that. Oh my gosh! Um, <laughs> just made me look so, total so turn loud. Off. That's amazing. Oh my gosh! So, oh my god, I'm drawing a complete blank. I'm gonna right leave now. this in here because this is pretty funny. Well, we were going to talk about developing effective team members underneath you. What I like to call developing employees. Sounds good. Go on. <laughs> so there's something that I've always taken a lot of pride in, and that is developing the people that are underneath me. So my direct reports. So I always want my direct reports to be successful, whether or not I am there or I am not. And that can translate to anything. Like, I don't care if you work at Burger King. You want the people underneath you to be successful. If the people underneath you are successful, you will be successful. It's that simple. So uh, give you just a, a little insight out of, so I, I had 160 ish people underneath me total, uh, but I had five direct reports. So five people that I, you know, managed timesheets, vacations, you know, evals, all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, the superintendent had, his four SOSs under him and the SOSs had five to seven supervisors underneath them. And then each supervisor had, you know, six to eight security officers underneath them, so on and so on. So, uh, out of my five direct reports, I had two become security managers. I had one go to the NRC as a resident inspector. And then I had another one become a security superintendent. So the superintendent's the number two, the security manager's the number one. And then, the NRC is an inspector. That's a, that's a federal job. That's a pretty big deal. So every person that I had underneath me went on to bigger and better things. And I am very, very proud of their accomplishments. And why, why am I proud? And why did I do that? Did I think that they were going to take my job? Absolutely not. I never once thought that I was going to be replaced by my superintendent or one of the seniors or something like that. Like that is ridiculous. I wanted them to have the skills uh, necessary to allow them the ability to function with or without me being there. And one of the best ways, you know, that, that, that one that just makes your life a thousand times easier. Yeah. Like if you're a planner and <clears throat> you have say two people underneath you that you have been developing and say so you get super sick and you can't go to an event. Well, then you know that the person that's underneath you is going to be able to run that event like you. And you're probably like, well, how do I get to that point? Like, how, how do I develop a direct report to do that? There's a really good book called Turn the Ship. And it was, uh, it was mandatory that all of the senior managers had to read it. And uh, Turn the Ship was about a Navy submarine that had abysmal performance. It was awful. 
and they brought in a new sub-captain. And the new sub-captain revamped the way that everyone did any work whatsoever on the ship. He implemented some things that people hated, like a positive component identification, which is way outside of the topic of this, but you physically touch a button and you say, I'm about to push button X. And the person behind you says, I understand you were about to push button X. And then you push said button. And I know that that sounds ridiculous, but when you are in a nuclear power plant or you're on a nuclear submarine, pushing the right button is pretty important. Mm hmm. So there were fail safes that he had built in and that people thought were very tedious. What? I'm just thinking. You should be like, I'm about <laughs> to press the record button. I'm about to push record. I understand you're about to push record. Which might have helped me. In a that that, that might have helped a couple of times, yeah. No, so, and then he also started to talk about this expression called, what would you recommend? And that is something that really got ingrained into a lot of us is what would you recommend? So whenever I had somebody like one of my direct reports would come up and they would say, Hey, you know, uh, what's a good example? Uh, A vehicle barrier system outside just failed. And they would just stare at me when I got there and I would just look at them and be like, well, what are you doing? And it's because they had a culture there that was a top down leadership strategy. So where the top always told them exactly what procedure to look at, exactly what to go do, et cetera. Despite the fact that nine times out of 10, that was completely wrong, what that person was saying. So when I came in, they expected me to do the same thing, me to come in and be like, well, you need to do X, Y, and Z. And I changed all of that. And I changed the culture to where when somebody would come up to me and say, you know, VBS one has been placed out of service. I would just look at them and say, well, what do you recommend? Then they would go in and say, you know, well, if you look at Red Guide 575 or you pull up, you know, 10 CFR 7355, Appendix H, you have to do blah, 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 blah. And then ABCD, I would say, EFG, one, two, three, four. <laughs> What's funny is I haven't done anything in nuclear in the better part of five years now, and I still remember all of the documents. Yep. But that's just because, like, you, you had to. Like, you didn't have a choice. And, <clears throat> but... I would just look at him and say, I concur. And then they would go about it. And that does a couple of things. One, it shows them where they need to get the information from. And two, they're pulling up that information. And now they have made the decision on what to do next. So you are empowering the people underneath you to make these decisions. Uh, And if they were wrong, I would just tell them, no, that is incorrect. And I would tell them to go back to the procedure, reread it, and come back to me with the information. Because, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, say, oh, look how smart I am. I I just, I came from a very high performing nuclear power plant. So I knew the expression was, I I knew what good looked like. And that's the entire reason why they brought us cross country. But I think just on a side note, you were talking about how it was important for you to be a um, mentor slash build your subordinates but it came from a culture of the same thing for you, where your upper management always did things so that you were um, learning, being successful. They were setting you up for your ability to go across country and run your own power plant. Yeah. I mean, if you look at um, 
Doug's, Doug and Ross's direct reports, mm-hmm. all of us became security managers. Right. Every one of us. That's what I'm saying. Jason went up to Palisades. Steve is at Grand Gulf. I was at Pilgrim. Every person became, every one of us left because the, the plant was decommissioning in Southern California. And when we left, we all became security managers at other nuclear power plants. <clears throat> but it came from a culture of development. Yeah, that is a good sign of leadership. Yeah. That's what that is. Like that is a very good sign of leadership. And mm-hmm. mind you, a lot of stuff that went on there was very unorthodox at times. Yeah. But at the end, you seen results. So, but <clears throat> you always want to ask them, like, what, what do you recommend? You want to release some of the responsibilities to your direct report so that they can make decisions and yeah, that they're, they're not relying empowered. on you to constantly make those decisions. And, uh, you know, to go along with that, though, back to what I said about you need to set your people up for success. It is also important that you have given them the tools, the resources and the training to be successful. Like you can't be mad at somebody for doing something wrong. If you've never done anything to train them. Yeah. Like that's that, that goes back to that extreme ownership stuff that is on you. That's not on them. You failed to provide them with the tools necessary to be successful. And that's what I do every time Brittany makes a mistake. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. So yeah, always ask, you know, what would you recommend? It's a very simple statement. What would you recommend? Oh my God, the tent is on fire. What do you recommend? We should probably call 911. I concur. (laughs) So that's about all I had. Yeah. Um, so I guess just to recap, remember it's situation behavior impact. It's the right way to coach people for performance. And remember, you got to try to develop your people. You got to ask them, what would you recommend? Like you, you need to, you need to develop your direct reports and make them better. Yeah. I mean, I think just in general, we've come across a few things um, lately as an industry with COVID where, um, you know, we've talked about having like a plan B or whatever, but this is also something that is unbelievably important for planners. Cause I know some planners that have had issues with COVID and they're like, I am literally the leader of this team. And while that's unbelievably important, you also need to learn to not just give up control, but make your team like indispensable by empowering them with the knowledge that you have. And I don't know. I think so many people think like, oh, I'm going to be replaced or whatever. But like you said, it's not a bad thing to develop your employees, your quote unquote subordinates or whatever. And this isn't to talk down or make anyone feel less than, but it's just in the ranking of a business. You know, subordinate's not exactly a term that's used anymore. That's pretty- <laughs> There's so many other things I could have said, but um, it's just, it is better for your mental state and it's also better for your business in the long run. Yeah. And I think it's also important to recognize that once you have developed someone fully, they will leave, they will branch out and they will do something else. And that is a good sign. Yeah. That- but, and then you just start the cycle over. 
Like that, that Absolutely. is a very good sign. And but it's also you're developing people that you know that know your business even once they're gone and could still help you out in a pinch. Yeah. I mean, as long as that relationship is good and it wasn't like you felt burned them leaving, um, coming from a place of like trying to better people, I don't think is ever going to like necessarily bite you in the ass in the long run. Yeah. All right, well, that's all I got. I'm going to stop talking because I'll just drag it out. <laughs> that is true. All right. Make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, you're obviously listening to the podcast. So don't forget to join our private Facebook group, Wedding Videography for Beginners. We hope everyone is staying safe and healthy, and we will see everyone next week. Bye-bye. Right. Bye. Are you backing up your footage? Is it seamless, running in the background, and easily available? Bring in Backblaze, the world's easiest cloud backup. Our workflow is so simple. We offload our footage onto our external drives. Then that evening, the files automatically start backing up into the cloud. There's nothing else for us to do. Imagine having the peace of mind that your footage is stored off-site, in a safe location, where you can easily retrieve it from your browser, and that it is crazy affordable. That's Backblaze. Click on our affiliate link below and get one month free.